This season of Keep Calm and Carry On is sponsored by Act London, the premium natural deodorant balm for all genders. Hello and welcome back to Keep Calm and Carry On. How has your week been? Oh, the sun has been amazing. And I don't know about you, but I've started running. I mean, it's unheard of. I'm not a big runner, but I've just got into it. I'm learning some uh, some songs, so I've been running and getting further and further and further, and I'm just loving it. Also, a big welcome to our lovely sponsors, Act London. I don't know if you guys have heard about them yet, but it's was set up by two West End performers. It's a natural neo deodorant balm for all genders. It smells divine. And I promise you, it's worth checking out. It's plastic-free. It's uh, it's really good for your skin. And I promise you, it's it's just worth having a little look at. We'll talk about it a lot later in the show. And also, there's a special discount code if you want to check that out too. So, did you enjoy the episode last week with the lovely Anita Dobson? I mean, wow. What a story. I had lovely Amy Hart actually drop me a message um, lovely Love Island, Amy Hart, who is a big musical theatre fan, and she left me this lovely message about Anita's episode, how much she enjoyed it, and the story of her of her background and stuff. I loved it as well. I hope you guys did too. So, coming up this week, well, I have a corker. I have the dance partner for Anita Dobson on Strictly Come Dancing, one of our ballroom favourites. This chat we recorded a few weeks ago and we just had the best time he then got me hooked on his live um, dance ballroom dance classes on zoom and I'm just again I'm a convert I love it I love it I love it he's just a dream and he's a fellow Suffolk boy and I just adore him so welcome Robin Windsor Robin, thank you so much for coming on my show. It is so lovely to see you and hear you and just be here, I, especially in this crazy time, to have you on the show. Thank you and welcome. Yeah, yeah, so good to see you too and hear you, obviously. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's great to see you as always. Well, we actually, we actually saw each other not that long ago when one of the lockdowns was slightly released and I think I was at Proud and... You were there and it was one of those moments where people could actually be on stage and be out in in the, you know, restrictions and we were all behaving ourselves. But it was so lovely to see you. And the last time I saw you before that was when you were leaving to go overseas. But again, we'll talk to that and yeah. we'll get to it. But how's your lockdown being? How is it for somebody like yourself that's uber physical, uber active uh, and suddenly you know, it's all been shut off. How's it been for you? Well, do you know what? The first one I really struggled with um, because I was in a different, I was in a different house and it didn't get any sunlight because of the way it was facing. So it was really dark. It was a ground floor flat wow. and I really struggled and I tried to sort of get, keep myself busy. My flatmate was a personal trainer at the time, which was fab because he was training me every day until I hurt my shoulder. Then I had to stop and I found the fridge um, <laughs> and, and Most people do it the other way around. They find the fridge first, and they go, "I've got to do something." Um, so <laughs> I, I found the first one tougher. I've moved. I've moved house since, um, and I'm up high uh, with glass all the way around, so it's really bright. Um, and I've been doing a lot of uh, Zoom classes and uh, things like that. I've got a big Zoom quiz coming up and uh, to do, and I'm going to do one of those every week, and just stuff to keep myself busy, really. Um, but my main... Are you teaching then? Yeah, teaching? yeah, I'm doing a lot of Zoom classes, a lot of private lessons. 
Um, but I found the, the thing is I, str I struggle horrendously with anxiety. And the, the way that I've dealt with this is I make myself a schedule every day um, and mm. I give myself something to do every hour on the hour. Now, that may be just a small thing that might take 10 minutes or it might take the whole hour. But if I stick to that schedule, it keeps me busy all day and keep, keeps me moving. Um, otherwise, I just end up sitting in bed. Oh, so so what would be your average what would be a just a, a normal everyday schedule for you like one of them a random one well gosh i don't start it until 10 o'clock because i don't really wake up until about 9 nine thirty. get up have breakfast first thing i do is some kind of exercise get the mm. get the endorphins moving in the body even if it's just a little run on the spot um i start off with 50 push-ups as soon as i wake up um just to get Casual. just to get just to get the blood moving <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh, it sets you up for it does actually set you up for the rest of the day mm. um and then i take the dog out for a walk it's so handy having him um so i take him out then i come back i probably do a class i even just do a room at a time to clean um mm. a, a half an hour for emails i take the dog out again in the afternoon probably teach another class um and then it will be pick a drawer or a cupboard just to clean it out and put everything back yeah. um and before you know it it's already six seven o'clock yeah it's it's you know what that's so important what you say about just being physical getting up like do moving your body to because that is so important for your brain for everything else and especially at the moment to try and be physical enough during the day is is quite tricky I mean it, it's helpful if you have a pet to get outside because there's that motivation but I think what is very difficult uh I mean for me the first lockdown was easier I guess because of the weather we were in, um, you know, I could get outside, I could exercise, I had routine going. I find it a lot harder this time. I just, I'm so not motivated to get outside. I am cycling and, you know, doing a bit of exercise here and there, but to get that daily routine has been really difficult. Well, I've found that, um, with, especially with a few of the students that I've been teaching, their dance, I do a Latin dance fit class for people on a Wednesday night and the response... That's it, I'm joining. I have to come and do it. That'll be my inspiration. I'm coming. <laughs> and the response that I've got from the people doing that is that when you do some form of exercise or a class online or something like that, you switch off from the world for an hour. Yes. You forget what time we're in. You forget what's going on outside. And all you do is focus on the moment. And, and you'll know that as a performer, whenever you go out and perform, nothing else matters in the world for that, mm. for that time that you're performing. Um, and it's the same thing when you're doing a class and something and you're concentrating on something new, getting endorphins going through your body and, and mm. dancing, especially you're using your mind, your body, and it's just great for your all round wellness really mm, yeah massively so come in so let's talk about you yeah. um and your history um what take me right back to where your inspiration came for dancing for performing did you did what who inspired you to start well um despite the weird australian twang of an accent that i have um i'm actually from ipswich and uh, <laughs> we've had this conversation. I think that's our that's our common interest because we're both pe Suffolk people. Yeah. But you don't sound Suffolk at all. Not at all. That disappeared years ago. Um, <laughs> I don't think I do, though, to be fair. And uh, as I tell you my story, um, you will realise why that disappeared. Um, but yeah, um, I'm from Ipswich and my parents used to teach at the local dance school. And um, so I was always there from birth. And at three years old, they caught me wiggling my hips in the mirror because I just loved moving to music. And um, I went, they said, would you like to have a lesson? And I went, yeah. And that's really what sparked it all off. And I had a natural flair. Um, 
I just happened to be in a ballroom environment, so I went down the ballroom route, uh, but I had a natural flair of move, moving to music. And I, I knew then, uh, very early on, that this is what I wanted to do. That's amazing. It's, it, it, did, it, it's interesting that you're that you went into something that your parents did and taught because sometimes people like rebel against it and go completely the other way or sometimes you know it's inevitable that they're going to go into to what their parents have you know influenced them did you um did you go through the route of of training and uh, go to a drama school or a dance school well we don't have um uh uh, ballroom dancing doesn't come under the drama school oh sorry drama school side of things um, it tends to be very separate. We've known that growing up. Ballroom dancing's always been a separate thing to the ballet, jazz and tap and all of that. Um, but I studied ballroom um, in Ipswich and my dance partner was from Ipswich at the time. Um, won everything competition-wise that I could win. Being a boy was quite handy because uh, they yeah. were there. I could have my pick of any of the girls to dance with. Um, and I won everything going as a ju- what we call a juvenile, which is up to the age of 12. Um, and then I got a new dance partner at 12 that lived in London. Um, so it was a case of three nights a week after school being driven to London and back. So wow. just so that that's a that's a trip. Yeah, just so that we could practice. And there was another girl from Ipswich who also had a partner from London. So the parents shared the driving. Mm, um, yeah. But it was a, a long old long old stick to get there after school and get back again. It was always pretty tired. And then I'd spend the weekend uh, down in Croydon as well. Um, dancing with my partner. Wow, so you literally, like, lived it growing up as a child. There was no other... Yeah, so I, I was almost like a bit of a Billy Elliot. I didn't go out and play with the guys and girls from school. I literally, mm. as soon as I finished school, I was in that car to be at practice for seven o'clock in London. So yeah, it was quite yeah. tight. Um, and then me and my partner, Catherine, we um, very, very quickly became England's number two couple in ballroom. And um, wow. we, we just almost had the perfect partnership. And we represented England around the world and did all bits and pieces together. Um, And then at the end of our junior career, which comes up to 16, um, she decided to end the partnership because she had an offer that she couldn't refuse from a particular boy to dance with. Um, So I was left without a partner. And it gets to that point of um, I had to the search was on, basically. And I found Mm. a girl. But of course, she lived in Southampton. Um, So that was even further away. Um, And I was still at school. Um, and on a Friday afternoon, I would get on a train and go to Southampton and come back Monday morning. Of course, you can't do that anymore. The schools won't allow you. But as long as I did yeah. my work on the tube um, or t- on the train, they were really happy. Um, we decided for a laugh, really, that we would do the uh, British Championships, which was in five weeks of us getting together because well, there's no way we're going to do very well. I'd moved up to the next age group, which was youth. There's, so we just thought we'd do it and see what happens. Um, we made the semi-final, which was unheard of for us. We were just like, oh my gosh, wow. there was no way in a million years we'd make that final. Um, and I was dancing against the girl that left me to dance with somebody else. <gasps> oh my um, God. Anyway, it's like a film. We'd, we'd made the semi-final. We thought we were never going to make the final. So we cracked up and, and I remember it so clearly, a bottle of Southern Comfort. And we started celebrating the fact <gasps> that we'd made the semi-final. Little did we know they were going to call our number out for the final. Um, we weren't even dressed in our costume because we didn't expect to make it. Yeah. So they had the whole of the winter gardens waiting for us to get our clothes on, <sighs> stumble down the stairs and dance in this final half cut. It was, <gasps> it was, you'd never get away with it now. Um, no. And we were all over, we felt we were all over the place. But then when the results came, um, 
first, second, uh, <laughs> we came third um, at the <gasps> British Championships and the, the girl that left me to dance for someone else came fifth. And oh, the looks that wow. we got because you have to shake everybody's hand as you go down the line. Yeah. It was very awkward. But that was the start of what I could only call an incredible um, partnership. And me and Coralie went on to represent England at the World Championships. And um, uh, uh, everything seemed like it was going perfectly. <laughs> but there's a but coming. <laughs> there, there is a massive but. Um, I sort of realised that I was perhaps into boys and not girls, which I'd sort of known for quite a while. But I was a very, very shy, timid boy. And it was really affecting me. And I couldn't tell anybody. And um, my 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 dancing was suffering I didn't seem to have that commitment um and how old were you how old were you then 17 right okay. and Coralie made a very difficult decision because we were like brother and sister to split mm. our partnership and dance with somebody else because she's an exceptional dancer and she needed to be the best um and I, I couldn't give that to her at the time and what happened is I went into a bit of a dark hole um I was probably about 18 sorry about 18 19 sorry and um, I had moved myself to London and I decided to hit the party scene and because I was really sad that I wasn't dancing. And the thing is, I didn't have any money left and I couldn't ask my mum for any more because she'd given everything to me. Um, so I decided to hang my dance shoes up without telling anybody and hit the party scene of London and pretty much get myself into a, a huge mess. Um, basically and that went on for a year and I was where ended up working in a shoe shop um, and just having that kind of life and it, it wasn't what I wanted at all and I was so sad um, and a year later pretty much to the day um, that I hung my shoes up I bumped into Coralie the girl from Southampton um, uh, outside Topshop on Oxford Street and she said mm -hmm. took one look at me and went oh my god Robin are you okay I said not really she said was you look terrible and she said I hate to have to say that to you um and I explained that I wanted to carry on dancing and I missed it so much and my life was turning sour basically and very mm. and very dark um and she said um I've split with the guy I was with um I want to dance but I don't want to compete anymore um how do you feel about us getting back together and doing some stuff on some cruise ships or something like that so of course yeah. I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. I said, but I, I've got to get out of London. I said, it's, te mm. it's tearing me apart. And she said, well, why don't you come and live with me and my family in Southampton? This is without even asking her parents. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but they took me under their wing. They said, right, you're coming down to live with us. We're going to fatten you up again. And um, you're going to give, Coralie's going to give you all of her fat because she needed to lose, <laughs> she needs to lose a few pounds and I needed to gain. So we started to train together, getting things ready to go on a cruise ship. And the day that we sent off the VHS videos, yes, it was Ooh. that long ago. Oh, I remember VHS. Um, we, <laughs> long play. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, I've got a job at John Lewis spraying perfume and trying to keep things ticking over. The day we sent off those VHS videos, um, Coralie got a phone call from the director and choreographer for a show called Burn the Floor, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. Um, it was way before the days of Strictly. Burn the Floor was the ultimate ballroom dancing theatre show and it was created at Elton John's 50th birthday party. And um, Coralie was in the original for a few months just when it first opened. 
Uh, and they called her and said, look, Coralie, we're reopening the show. This time, instead of an arena tour, we're going to do a theatre tour. And um, we'd like you to come back and we've got someone for you to dance with. And she said, well, I'm actually dancing with Robin Windsor again. And um, I can't come unless I can dance with him because we are a pair. And I owe her everything for that because they turned around and said, oh, we remember him. Bring him with you. And within wow. seven weeks, we were on a flight to New Orleans in America and about to start for me, which was going to be a 10 year world tour. <gasps> what, 10 years? Oh, my goodness. Wowzers. I never expected that to happen. Of course, we were only employed just for one, um, one American tour to start with, which was about 18 weeks. Um, and then it just kept building and building and building. And we opened in Japan. We opened in all of Australia, um, uh, all, all across Canada, Europe, you name it, we were there. And it was a chance meeting with Coralie had changed my entire life. I was back to what I loved. I was traveling the world with it and I was getting paid. I could not believe my luck. Wow, that's amazing. I, mean, I think, you know, people don't, really realize how much of your career especially in the arts how it can literally change in a moment in a meeting in a phone call and it can literally change your life dramatically and it's so great when you hear a story like that you know that it does happen and people love to ask me about you know how I met Brian and obviously that when he came to see me in a show and that kind of you know, filmic scenario of, oh, someone's going to spot me. But it does happen. It does happen. And your and your career does change. And for for the better, I think, a lot of the time, if you're open to it and you put it out in the universe, it, it does happen. So after, after Burn the Floor, was that when Strictly came for you? Or did you do something else before it? Well, we, we worked very hard with Burn the Floor. And um, we were in Reno, Nevada, uh, which is not the greatest place in the world. And we were stuck there for about six months. <laughs> um, and but we're just by again chance of luck. A guy from the Post Street Theatre in San Francisco came over to watch watch our show. He loved it, and that took us to San Francisco for five months. Wow. While we were there, that theatre was actually owned by someone on Broadway, and somebody from New York came over to watch the show. Loved it. Went back to New York, bought over a whole load of investors. They all loved it, and all of a sudden we were being transported to Broadway in New York wow. at the Long Acre Theatre. And um, this was something ballroom dancers would never dream of happening because ballroom's not something you see on the West End or on Broadway, um, especially yeah. 10, 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Um, we couldn't believe it. We, we became the first ever ballroom show to make it to Broadway. And wow. we were there supposed to be for three months. We got extended to six. We got extended to nine. And we'd probably still be there now if we didn't have to continue the tour because the tour was already booked to continue. So we had mm. to leave and broke box office records while we were there. Um, how, how did you find New York? Was it, did you love it? The best, or was it the best, uh, the easiest, no, sorry, the best and hardest time of my life. Being on Broadway, you are expected, if your arm is at 28 and a half degrees out to the side, it's at 28 and a half degrees. You have mm. got to be spot on. They were so strict. We weren't a union show, so we were there rehearsing all the time to make mm. the best product that we could. And we were having people like Jennifer Lopez, Matt Damon, Meat Loaf, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, all coming, all coming to see, all coming to see us. And it was just we were living a, a dream. Um, but of course, everything has to come to an end. And 
after Broadway, I said to myself, look, I've been with this show now for 10 years and yeah. I, I feel that I want to do something different, but don't know what. Um, so I made a phone call to Natalie Lowe, one of the Strictly professionals. She used to be in Burn the Floor and she left to go to Strictly. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, oh, um, I, I really want to come back to England, but I don't know what to do. Have you got any suggestions? And she said, email this lady. So I dropped them a line and got on the phone with them. And 10 minutes into the phone call, I went, sorry, who are you? Or what do you, what do you guys do? And she said, oh, we're actually the producers of um, come da Strictly Come Dancing on the BBC. I didn't even know who I was talking to. <laughs> I love that, though. I love that, that you, you do that, though. You know, we, we take a chance in this, in this crazy business that we're in. And if it's a friend that you trust, you're like, yeah. <laughs> Why not? I'll give them a call. It's amazing, isn't it? And then you just never know where it's going to lead you. Well, it was very lucky that they said your name has actually been cropped up with us a few times. Um, we're looking for somebody British to come onto the show. Um, we're changing things around a bit and uh, your name's kept, kept coming up. So would you be able to come in and see us? So um, we were in uh, West Palm Beach in Florida and uh, uh, the tour was coming to an end because we'd done a few dates after New York. And I had to fly straight home. My flight got cancelled via Chicago. My luggage didn't turn up. So I had oh. so I had to rearrange for the next day. And I looked like I'd been dragged through a bush backwards. And no, no <laughs> sleep. I went in to see them. Um, they didn't even ask me to dance. I just had to do a quick chat in front of the camera um, uh, with a couple of producers watching me. And that was it. And they sent me away. And I thought, well, that didn't really go very well. And I got a phone call the next day saying, we'd like you to be part of Strictly Come Dancing 2010. Wow. And I was running around the house um, like like a teenager who's just won the lottery or something like that. It was, mm. it was absolutely amazing. This episode of Keep Calm and Carry On is sponsored by ACT London. ACT is the natural deodorant that really does work with gorgeous fragrances, stunning plastic-free packaging and unrivaled performance at its core. Their slogan is Born to Perform, not only because it works, but because the brand was created by two West End performers, Ed Curry and Andy Coxon. The guys simply couldn't find a deodorant that worked for eight shows a week under those hot lights in those same costumes. Ah, oh, I certainly know what that feels like. Act is now the winner of Harper's Bazaar's Best Deodorant Beauty Award and has been named the number one deodorant by Vogue, Esquire and Pop Sugar. I've been using it myself and honestly, I love it. If you like the sound of ACT, the boys have given me an exclusive code to share with you. Keep Calm 20 for 20% off at actlondon.com. That's A-K-T London.com. Thanks, boys. And it was, a, it was a game changer. I mean, Strictly suddenly launched you onto our screens and you become, everybody knows who you are. You know, Strictly is prime time and you became this familiar face how was that for you was it such a you know you'd been out there doing your thing dancing you know as a performer we love what we do and that's fantastic but television and notoriety as in suddenly everybody knows who you are is a very different thing how how was that for you um i funnily you say i nearly turned the job down at first because I first of all thought I'm not really made for television I love theatre it's what I lo I've loved what I've been doing but I had to take the step to do something different um and I guess when you step onto that strictly boring floor um it is perform you're just performing as you would do in a theatre except there's mm -hmm. a little red light that's on you where there's 10 there's <laughs> another 10 million people watching you <laughs> and um I, I wasn't particularly worried about that I was more 
concerned and more nervous uh, about making my mum proud because uh, it meant everything to me that she could watch that <sighs> and everything that she'd done. Uh, she worked in a petrol station at 150 mm -hmm. quid a week and she gave me 75 of that. So she gave me half of her money every week so that I could dance growing up. And all I wanted to do was make her proud. I didn't care about anything else. Mm. Uh, uh, well, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you have. It's, you know, we've loved watching you on our screens and you've had some incredible partners, one of which is a very good friend of mine, Miss, Miss Dobson, um, who's also on the podcast, I'm thrilled about. But how, how does it, obviously your partner is, is a huge deal and it may, it's, it's it's very dependent on how you're going to do in the in the show. Um, it, it, did they vary for you a lot? I mean, it's it's hard because you're thrown with somebody that you is a, is a very famous face, but sudden you don't know if you're going to get on with them. You don't know if you're going to gel. And dancing and performing is a very uh, it's a very intimate emotional thing. And if you don't gel, it can be very difficult. Um, but how how was that for you? Did you how how were your you had lovely partners? Well, I mean, you had some great people. I was very fortunate. I had four amazing partners. Um, my first one being Patsy Kensett, um, and uh, she'd just come out of her fourth marriage or fourth divorce, and um, she'd put on a quite a little bit of weight, not a lot, but she she felt that she was not attractive, um, and she'd sort of I think, and I can't from just from chats that happened, she'd requested a gay man to dance with because she didn't want the press doing the whole, oh, husband number five. Um, yeah, yeah. And I course. think that's how I got the job, because I they couldn't ask me directly that question, uh, but I think <laughs> but I think that's what they were looking for. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm more known as a, a carer, a sort of people pleaser, someone that's going to take care of somebody, and Patsy needed mm -hmm. that. Um, but for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm dancing with Patsy Kensett for the first week. Yeah. For the first week, it was so surreal. And um, halfway through the first week, her phone rang and she picked it up and she went, oh, it's for you. I was like, oh, who's that? She went, it's my ex-husband. It was only Liam Gallagher. And he was like, I can't do the accent. He was like, I just want to wish you beat loads of luck. Because <laughs> he said, you're going to need it. Um, and uh, it was it was a fantastic experience because all of a sudden you're... You're, you're going out and, and, and people are going, oh my gosh, that's that guy from Strictly. And uh, it was so surreal for me because all of a sudden people are recognising you for what you do. Yeah. Um, Patsy left the competition in week nine. She'd lost two and a half stone. She looked incredible um, and she left a very happy customer. Um, and mm -hmm. then I got paired with the lovely Anita Dobson. Uh, I mean, <laughs> of all the people, I, I, and I couldn't believe it. And it's funny, we had something in common. Um, a girl I danced with when I was about 18, because there was a couple of girls that I popped and danced with for a bit. Her father was engaged to Anita before she met Brian. I oh could, could not believe it. So when um, uh, Candace had said to me, she goes, oh my gosh, Anita Dobson's doing the show. She goes, you do know that dad was um, engaged to her at one point. And I was like, oh my God. Little did I know that we were then <laughs> going to get paired together. <laughs> um, so the universe says lots of things um, but Dancing with Anita was the most incredible experience she's so so lovely and she's got the biggest heart I've ever come across mm. and uh, we had such a brilliant relationship but um, I, I, it was weird because uh, again I mean you're not, you know Brian obviously um, but for me to meet Brian was like oh my god I am the <laughs> biggest Queen fan in the world and he was there as a doting husband 
every week mm. on the front row supporting Anita. And uh, Oh, they're so sweet, aren't and, they? They're very sweet. But he did come to me, and I, I found this was very strange. Halfway through the series, he was like, Robin, he said, I absolutely love you, and uh, you're, you're doing a wonderful job. He said, but he said, I don't know how to say this, but you make my wife feel something that I can't. And I find that really tough because he's never, he said, I've never seen her so happy. And the joy of dancing, you see it with so many of the celebrities, but as Anita especially, you could see the love that she had for the dancing. And that's created by me. And I said to Brian, learn to dance and dance with Anita, but I don't think he has. I don't oh. think he has. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll remind him to, to do that. <laughs> it's um, it, 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 you see it happen, and obviously, it's 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 told in in the show of how it, how much of an experience and an influence it has over various celebrities because it's something so different to what they what they do in their their usual career, whatever it is. I mean, they're they're in the public eye, but it's a very different thing to experience performing and having that experience with somebody on stage that is very unique and it's very between the two of you and you can't kind of explain that to people um do you do you go through the same kind of experience with them um even though you're kind of used to used to being a performer you know we're used to going into companies falling in love with everybody finishing that contract and moving on we're used to that kind of separation and and I think the reason that strictly the the celebrities that come in it's a very different experience for them because they're not used to that do you feel that with them or is it just for you another another season another job well first of all when us growing up with ballroom dancers we're obviously dancers a couple our entire life and we are very touchy-feely we we don't have per we our, our personal spaces the two of us together all of yeah, a sudden yeah. you've got a celebrity in front of you who's not used to that and we are invading their personal space and yeah. uh, dancing with Deborah Mead and I had huge issues with that because in business everybody she's got her hand forward when she speaks to people nobody comes within a radius a, a meter radius of Deborah all of a sudden I've infringed Your her space <laughs> and she couldn't handle it she found it really mm -hmm. weird um, but for us, you do strike up amazing relationships. And of course, you see all of the, what they say, strictly curse. But when you are dancing up close and personal with somebody like that, take any of those strictly boys now, they're ridiculously handsome. And mm. they're, they're, they're making, uh, we'll just use the female celebrities for the moment. They're making that female celebrity feel incredible. There is mm. nothing more magical than being led around a dance floor by somebody and you do, you do fall in love. I have to be honest, mm. I fell in love with all my partners in some way. Yeah. because And that's yeah. coming from a gay man. Um, you, you strike up such a good relationship and they get very jealous when you return the next year and you dance with somebody else. Somebody else, <laughs> yes. Yeah, because it, 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 like I said, you can't explain to people. Uh, it's a very safe in a weird way it's a very safe place the stage because it, it, you're creating something together so endorphins are going because you're being physical but there's a there's a there's a connection there's a magic that happens on the stage that has to happen um because the performance has to be honest it has to be real it has to mean something and it it's difficult to separate those those kind of things but i think you know as performers we we get used to it. We we just get used to it and we move on. Well, I was very lucky that my first three partners were all actresses. So they, yes. with, with Patsy, Anita and Lisa Riley, 
they're all actresses they'd all done theater at some point in their life mm. um so they could act and they knew how to take a dance and become a character and be that character and perform it out mm. so i found that quite easy deborah Meadham for me was the struggle because she's not um she's not showbiz she's business yes. so i had to mm -hmm. i had to start with deborah from complete scratch telling her teaching her how to perform yeah yeah oh my god well we loved watching you you were magical and i mean without dwelling too much on strictly we'll move on in a minute but to not finish your season with anita oh. must have just been oh. Oh. i mean i think the i think the whole of the nation felt it and i just you know i spoke to her just then and she was very great and graceful about it but i know how difficult that must have been and i I mean, how was it for you? It must have just oh. been so difficult. And like you say, you know, watching, suddenly then watching your partner's uh, tables turn, suddenly dance with somebody else must have been It was hor It was horrific. So what had happened, we'd, we'd made it to Wembley, which was week seven. And um, I kept complaining about the pain in my right foot and I didn't know what it was. Um, we, we did the show, we got through to the next week. I went home in agony and I could not work out what was going on. But I woke up the next day and my foot was twice the size of my left foot. And I was like, well, I think my, 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 was, I don't know if it was, yeah, my boyfriend at the time was like, we need to go to hospital. You need to go and get that looked at because it, it seemed to be getting worse and spreading up my leg. So we went to the hospital and um, they said, oh, you've, you've got cellulitis, which is an infection that you can get uh, in, uh, in a cut, basically. And I probably had mm -hmm. a little torn piece of skin in my foot and it got infected. Um, and they drew a line uh, with a marker pen just below my knee. And they gave me some antibiotics and they said, if it gets above, above this line, you need to come back immediately. Um, little did I know I was going to have a huge allergic reaction to the um, uh, antibiotics that they gave me. And this literally just got home and I got rushed back to hospital um, uh, because I needed the antibiotics to stop the spread of this uh, cellulitis. Um, so they had to get me in the hospital on a drip immediately. Oh. And I was there. And it was getting worse and worse. So I had to make the call and say, guys, there is no way I I'm going to, or the doctor said, there's no way that you're going to be dancing next weekend. Mm. And so, of course, I'm in tears. Going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I've got a show. <laughs> so they uh, put Anita with Brendan Cole for the week. Um, and they didn't really gel as, as, as a couple so much. And I think Anita struggled with that because we'd had such a rapport the whole time. Mm. Um, and for me to sit at home and watch it on the Saturday night with... Um, crutches hanging around me um medication in one hand jack daniels in the other and uh, <laughs> um, they, the the bosses called me um just as the revoting had closed and said look robin we're really really sorry but anita's going home tonight and i was like oh my god and i had to sit and listen to the filming of the result show and, and oh. at the end i had to come on and speak to anita but as soon as they said that anita was out i was necking back with jack daniels i didn't care <laughs> i wasn't supposed to be yeah. so i came on and i was howling going oh my god i'm so sorry <laughs> um, but we did the tour together afterwards so it's absolutely amazing oh it's lovely i loved i came to see you guys at wembley and it was just oh it was so much fun i love that that strictly has a, another life and has you know takes it on stage because it's such a lovely show to go and watch so coming out of Strictly, um, you you had a bit of a gear change. I know you did a, a, a another show then, um, and I came to your little leaving show that you did. But you had a bit of a change of 
of heart and we're going to fly across the world and do fitness and take a step out of it what inspired what happened what inspired that change you know you come out of such a big massive show and dancing was huge still and everything seemed good seemed well what was it that changed was it just time to step back or you had enough of it um while I was dancing with Deborah Meaden on the show I started getting these little twinges in my lower back um and uh, when we were at the Blackpool uh, week of the show um, we'd already been knocked out of the competition by then um I had a few to drink at the after party as with everybody else and the boys all decided to practice some lifts together and oh, I got picked I got <laughs> picked up and uh Basically, I got dropped from six foot, six foot in the air onto a concrete floor and um, it was on my hip and there was a big whack and everyone thought it was my head and everybody was panicking, um, but it was actually my hip. And what I'd done is I'd just nudged two of my lower discs in my lower back. Oh no pain to start with, but as the weeks progressed, the pain did and I was in agony. So I had to come out of a few of the group numbers for Strictly. I was having injections in my back just to ease the pain um and I managed to get through and I had these injections and they're like eight inch injections like an epidural basically in your in your spine mm. uh three three at a time um and every time they wore off I was in agony but uh so I did the Strictly tour with Deborah Meaden and after that I was in pain and then the week before Strictly started again uh I collapsed to the floor in the most amount of agony that I've ever, ever, ever had. Now, while this is going on, if you've had sciatic pain, um, and I know mm. a lot of people do, it's, oh, it's, it's constant and it was in my yeah. head all the time. Um, so sadly, I had to get rushed to hospital and go straight into surgery. Uh, there was nothing yeah. that could be done. Um, so of course, things were getting a bit stressed for me. Um, I had the operation. I made a full recovery. Ten weeks later, I was back dancing on Strictly uh, in, in a group number. Everybody was like, what are you doing? Uh, but the doctor mm. said I was that physically fit that I healed so well. And he's like, by God, by all means, you can go back to do what you're doing. Um, but while that had all been happening, my I started to get a few dark days and bad days. And those dark days were getting more regular. And I just wasn't feeling great and I didn't really understand what was going on it was almost a bit like those dark days I had as a teenager were coming back to haunt me but a lot worse um and then what sort of kicked me over the edge I got a phone call I was expecting to go back to Strictly I was back in full health I'd had such a terrible year um they called me and said Robin you won't be needed for the show anymore thank you for your time and that was all I got and I was Ouch. like oh and so I just lost my job and uh, on a side thing, I'd made a huge financial error and got a hundred thousand pound bill from the tax man, Oof. Uh, which I had luckily because it was everything I'd ever saved. I'd actually, I missed a bit out there um, during the year previous to that. Um, Burn the Floor invited me back to headline the West End with Christina Rianoff. Uh, so we did that for five months, which mm. is great. And all of the money from that and everything I'd ever earned, I put to buy a house and the tax man came and took that just, uh. just as I lost my job. Um, and sadly my relationship with, uh, Marcus, uh, ended at the same time. So, uh, I had all three things happen wow. and I ended up being in bed 
in the darkest place I've ever imagined for over a month. I wouldn't get out of bed. Um, and I was suffering with the worst depression that I could ever have imagined. Wow. Um, but as you do as a performer, you try and when you've got a job, you try and get yourself together. And um, mm -hmm. I was offered to do a, a tour of the UK with putting on a show called Putting on the Ritz, um, yep. which went great. But again, I'd do the show and be happy during the show, but I'd always be sad and down when I'd finish. Um, yeah. And then I dated somebody else. They broke up with me on the opening night of my own tour called Keep. <laughs> That's helpful. <laughs> uh, called Keep. <laughs> called Keep Dancing, um, and I choreographed one of the numbers with him in mind. So every night I had to dance a rumba with oh. with with Anya Garnis and I, I real tears every single night oh. because they were it was Gosh. the pain of being broken up with. Mm. Um, and things were going really, really badly. And I know that you know this part of the story, but um, it got so bad um, that I almost took my life uh, uh, halfway through that tour. It was so bad. I checked into a hotel. Um, I had enough stuff to put an elephant to sleep. Um, and I wrote letters to everybody. Oh, and it was, it was so... I, I can't even... I look back now and I think, how on earth did you get to that state? But I, I, mm. my problem was, and the problem that we have, men don't like to talk, even though I'm in a ballroom right. dancing environment and in the, a camp full of gay people everywhere. Men, no matter who you are, men still find it very difficult to talk. And I hadn't told mm. anyone and I was dealing with it myself to the point that it got too much. Now, literally within minutes of things happening, my phone rang. And it, I, it was on silent and I just looked at it and I saw my ex's name and it was actually, it was Marcus's, Marcus Collins, uh, it, it was him. And I looked and I saw his name and I hadn't, I hadn't cried for such a long time mm. and I'd been numb. And as soon as I saw his name, I burst into tears and went, what the hell are you doing, Robin? This is like, what are you doing? And mm. uh, that's when I sought help and got myself therapy um, and uh, I was very very fortunate to uh, start working with a mental health charity called SANE um, who were absolutely incredible um, and time went on and I, I, I'm better I still have my wobbles here and there uh, but I'm a lot better than I was um, and I said to myself I need something new and that's where mm. um, I went, decided that I was going to start a new life out at a place called the Body Holiday in St. Lucia. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'd been working out there every June. They have a, a, a themed month called Jive June and I'd been there hosting it for them for the last three years. And they said, would you like to come and work out here permanently? And of course, who's going to say no to that? So yeah, off. absolutely. I decided, right, shoes are going to be hung up for the final time. <laughs> and uh, it is going to be, uh, let's say, a big farewell and do it the proper way. And do a, I'm going to do a share and do a big farewell tour, um, which I did around the country, finishing up with a, a special star-studded event at the Novello Theatre, which you were participating <laughs> in. Oh, it was such a lovely evening. It was so great. I mean, I just kind of found myself, you know, there's, there are some... There are some events that you do and they just they move you in a in a way that no others do and I remember just stood in the wings you know looking at the the support and the talent and the people in in the wings and just watching you and watching everybody just do their thing on stage which was 
it was just one of those special evenings that resonated and it was it was just lovely to be a part of well, it. Well you gave me one of probably the one of the most memorable moments of my entire life because you were singing a million dreams and um you actually had to stop singing and apologize and say I'm so because you got a lump in your throat from because I'd said oh this boy he had a million dreams and now he has a million more. Please welcome to the stage <laughs> Let me go now <laughs> Please welcome to the stage Carrie Ellis and you struggled but you did an amazing job and I will never ever ever forget that. No, it's amazing. It was amazing. So, uh, so you, so you're back now, and then, and then of course, we get locked down. <laughs> I mean, just you know, just all these challenges to put put out there. And it, what when we when we do get out of this, what's what do you have a plan? Do you have something that you you, you want to do? Is there something else to tick off the list? Is there, or are, I mean, you're incredibly active. You your your physicality is obviously important to you for many reasons is are you going to follow that path or, or I mean for me when you've been a performer and you've been a dancer and you've been on stage to ever stop is is really difficult you know in some form well um What's... well I I spent I only spent six months out in St Lucia a very very isolated island and I was felt a bit isolated but I had a great time I turned the entertainment team around at the resort and and said you know what this was great but it's time to come home and um, I came home and I actually fell in love with a guy that uh, I, I met here. Um, uh, he is from New York. Um, and he was only here for six months or five months uh, working, but he was going to have to go back to New York. And we had the most incredible time together. And I wanted to do something with a job that I could perhaps go out to New York with. Um, so I created a new, uh, new business called Positively Moving. And it's corporate team building. Um, using dance and getting uh, everything together. Now, of course, uh, the week that that was about to launch, we got <laughs> locked down. Um, so that's oh. that's been put on hold, but that's for ideally what I'd like to continue with because I think more than ever, people are going to need team building when this is all over. Um, and sadly, because of this lockdown, uh, me and Jared had to had to had to sort of fizzle out, which is which is a real real shame. But um, you've got to move forward and keep going. Um, yeah. And uh, during lockdown, first lockdown, um, or probably about September time, I got a phone call saying, um, you're back in the UK, aren't you, Robin? I was like, yes. He said, um, um, how would you feel about returning to the West End? And I'm like, excuse me? Uh, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, they said, we know you retired, but um, or from, you retired from performing, but we feel that you've got more to give. Um, so I was supposed to be starting rehearsals on the 5th of January for Here Come the Boys at the Garrick Theatre. Um, oh. I was supposed to be opening on 27th of Jan. Jan. At the moment, it's been moved to Feb, but I'm pretty sure that's going to be even delayed even further. Oh, but I have dusted off my dance shoes. I realised... Yeah. I realised how much I missed it. There's still life yeah. in the old dog yet, and I really I, oh, absolutely, and I really am doing a share. But I'm coming back just for one more. Oh, you have to, you have to. I can't wait to see you in it. I can't wait to see. You. I got a couple of things before I let you go because yeah. I could talk to you for ages. You're just a dream. Is there a high point, a high moment in your career that just blows all the others out of the water? I'm sure there's a few, but is there one that's for any reason that sticks out? Um. Oh my gosh, it's so, it's I mean it, it's it's crazy when you look back at all of the different moments, but I think I think my moment is 
opening night on the West End uh, in Burn the Floor uh, when uh, after being with Burn the Floor for 10 years and they'd asked me to come back uh, to headline it opening uh, and it wasn't the actual opening night it was the day the signage went up outside the theater I, I, oh, I brilliant that. as a little boy I'd always like dream of having my name in lights on the West End who doesn't mm. right who doesn't and yeah I stood across the street from the Shaftesbury theater and I looked up and I saw my name uh, going up outside the theater and I stood there and burst into tears um, oh, and people so were amazing. people were coming past going are you all right you're right I was like that's me up there and I couldn't believe it was happening and I'm and as 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 a moment I think that was my whole life wrapped up into one moment there and I think that was the most special moment oh mate it is it does it it does make a difference that when you do walk past the theatre and you see yourself it's a proper moment because of that you know you grow up going I want to be on West End, I want to be on Broadway. And when it actually happens, it, it takes you by surprise because it usually catches you, you know, you're walking in for a rehearsal or whatever and it's there and suddenly you're like, oh, oh my God. Oh, it's well, amazing. It, it, I love it that. It was actually the underground uh, posters that got me uh, because yeah. I'd be going up the escalator and a, with a load of pictures of me on the sides of me it's, and people oh. are just looking. It was really weird and surreal, but I loved every second of it. <laughs> amazing i mean the other end of the you know spectrum we've talked about a few of your you know tougher times but is there is there a moment that was tough for you career-wise um i know we've spoken about strictly and, and and injuries and stuff but is there a moment that that sticks out that was darker than the rest and then how did you get out of it how did you deal with it um, what was it that changed in your mindset you've told us a few actually I mean, the hardest thing really I, I think after being being on television where they blow to be quite honest they blow that much smoke up your backside and make you feel like a king to have that cut off straight mm -hmm. away um and to have to leave strictly uh, in the way that it happened was probably the worst thing for me ever um, yeah. because a, a lot of the others that had left, they were from different countries. So they all went back to their countries. Yeah. I left, I was still, Oh my God, you're that guy from Strictly. And I still had to, I was so angry with the show for what, how, how that it was done that I didn't want any part of it. And I had to have mm. everywhere I went, I'm still that guy from Strictly. And yeah, of course. I've now learned how to embrace it. And I yeah. am such a supporter of the show and uh, they do such a wonderful job and things have to move on and it's absolutely fantastic. But I found that so, so difficult, especially having to watch somebody replace me at the last minute and go in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the only way is to support them. And the, the advice came from Marcus at the time because he said, how do you think I feel when I see Little Mix doing so incredibly well and he was runner up to them? So the best mm. thing, the easiest thing to deal with that is to get behind them and support them. And that's Embrace and that's it. how I did yeah. it, yeah. So I can't let Robin leave without asking him the question I ask all my special guests. If you could look back at your 20-year-old self and give yourself a piece of advice that you've been given or you would give yourself, what would it be of how to keep calm and carry on? Ooh, what piece of advice would I give myself? <laughs> I'd probably give myself a stern talking to, to be quite honest. Um, it would have been more accept who you're going to be. Because um, I, I'm, for me, for me uh, the whole coming out thing for me, understanding my sexuality, was where things start to go wrong. 
Um, and quite early on, that was an inset thing. We all have uh, people around my age, especially we still have that gay shame that came with things back in the day. Um, and I would give myself a good talking to and say, believe in the person that you are. You may be different. You may feel different, but that doesn't matter because it's people who are different and unique that will succeed. Absolutely. Oh, Robin, thank you so, so much. You've been so wonderful and shared so many beautiful and honest stories. I know that you're going to really resonate with some people out there and, and really inspire and make a difference to them. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Yes. All the best for when we do get out of this crazy time with your new business. And I'm going to come and see you in your new show. Fabulous. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Lovely to see you. Take thank care. you. Bye. Bye. Well, that is it for another week. Thank you so much to Robin. Thank you so much for being so honest and sharing your stories. I know you're going to resonate with lots of people out there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I adore you. Also, thank you guys for listening. If you haven't checked out the other episodes, we've got some incredible chats. I promise they're worth a listen. So go and hit subscribe. You can also leave us a review if you like. I love hearing what you guys have to say and listen to all the previous episodes. And also then you will just be there ready for what's to come up next. Thank you to Act London, our sponsors. We really appreciate your support this season. And my lovely producer, Martin, you rock. You do this so brilliantly. So whatever you're doing this week, I hope you have a lovely week. If you haven't checked out my performance on Sky Arts with the lovely Dr. Brian May, please go. It's for the World Earth Day, uh, talking about climate change. And we perform our new Panic Attack song as well as a beautiful version of Amazing Grace. You can check that out on uh, Sky Arts. It's on now. And also if you want to check out our new Panic Attack video, it's on brianmay.com. It's also on YouTube and check out the video. I promise you, oh, it's brilliant. I know I'm in it, but <laughs> the video really makes you think and hopefully will make you smile. Well, I'm sending you lots of love. Have a wonderful week. I hope the sun continues to shine and I will see you next time. Once again, a huge thank you to my sponsors, Act London. Thanks for coming on board, guys. It's really great to have you with us. It really does work, I promise you. I get up in the morning, I put it on, it smells gorgeous. I'm loving the orange scent at the moment, and it really does work. I'm running around, I'm exercising. My kids, you know, they really do wear me out, and this stuff really does work, I promise you. And don't forget to use my exclusive discount code for 20% off at the checkout. Keep Come 20 at actlondon.com. That's A K T London.com. Oh,